What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actress Elle Fanning in the movie Wonder Woman 1984. But first, let's talk about the career of actress Elle Fanning. And like her sister Dakota, Elle began her career as a child actress, but really didn't make a name for herself until starring in the Sofia Coppola film somewhere in 2010, along with Stephen Dorff. This is one of the most underrated films of the past decade. It is a powerful film about the dark side of wealth and fame. And even though she's a kid in this movie, you can see that Elle Fanning has star potential. And then she goes on and co-stars in the sci-fi film Super 8, directed by J.J. Abrams. I mean, a super underrated film. Super 8 is one of the best sci-fis of the past decade. So even early on in her career, you can see that Elle Fanning is, is an actress to keep an eye on. The first movie I saw Elle Fanning in was Cameron Crowe's We Bought It. Zoo, a film that I thought was going to be a masterpiece that stars Matt Damon, Scarlett Johansson. I thought, wow, this film is going to be incredible. It's from the director of so many good movies, but ultimately that film does not work for me at all, except one thing about that movie, Elle Fanning's performance. She completely steals the movie. She's the only interesting thing in that movie, and in an otherwise bad film, she's the only brilliant aspect of it. And then after that, she co-stars with Angelina Jolie in Maleficent, a film that I think is super underrated. I am one of the very few people that love the film Maleficent, and I don't think it gets enough love. It's so much better than some of the other Disney live-action films. It's way better than Beauty and the Beast, the live-action version, and it's way better than the live-action version of The Lion King. I really love the film Maleficent, and it's basically because of the chemistry that Elle Fanning has with Angelina Jolie. Fanning also had a supporting role in the critically acclaimed film Trumbo along with Brian Cranston and Diane Lane and reteamed with director Sofia Coppola for the film The Beguiled along with Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, and Colin Farrell. Think of the star power that Elle Fanning is getting to act with at such a young age. She starred in films with Matt Damon, Scarlett Johansson, Nicole Kidman, Colin Farrell, Angelina Jolie, all before turning 20 years old. In 2018, Fanning gave her first leading performance in the indie film Teen Spirit, which I think is a criminally underrated performance by Fanning. She completely carries this film. She should have got more award buzz for this performance. And this past year was a huge year for Elle Fanning. In 2020, she starred in the film All the Bright Places with Justice Smith and starred in one of the best television shows of the year with Nicholas Holt, the great Fanning carries the dramatic elements of this show while Nicholas Holt gets to be the comedic relief. It's such a good show. It is such a great mix of genre. Again, I did a podcast on it, so check that episode out if you want to hear my full thoughts on the great. My overall thought is Elle Fanning 100% deserves to walk home with an Emmy Award next year for her performance on that show. And All the Bright Places was a delight to watch, and I thought she was really good in that film. She's a really captivating 
Outstanding Actress. And that's what leads me to her best performance. I think she gives her overall best performance of her career in the Mike Mills film, 20th Century Women. She blew me away in this film. I had no idea she was capable of being that good in a movie. And those are my favorite type of performances, the ones that are so unexpectedly brilliant. I think of Ansel Elgort in Baby Driver. Like, I didn't think he was capable of being that good of an actor. I didn't really think that highly of him before that. Now, I had really liked Elle Fanning and We Bought a Zoo and Maleficent, but I had no idea what she was capable of doing. And then I saw 20th Century Woman, a film that I watched because Annette Benning was in it, because Greta Gerwig was in it, but it was Elle Fanning who completely steals the movie. It's one of the best supporting performances I've ever seen, and it completely changed my views of Elle Fanning and had me completely excited for her career. And for, for the most part, since that movie, she's really lived up to the hype. And I think that's the most exciting thing about Elle Fanning. She is only 22 years old and has already given so many memorable performances in movies and TV shows. And I think she's at the beginning of a brilliant career. She's not at the end. She's not even at the middle. She is just starting to break through as one of the best actresses of her generation. And I think in the coming years or decades, we might consider her the very best of her generation. I think she's someone who's capable of winning Oscars, Emmys. I think she's capable of being the best actress working today. Her career is not only exciting because of the past work, which is brilliant, but it's the potential that it has. She has the potential to be the breakout movie star actress of her generation. I mean, already Elle Fanning has worked with some of the best filmmakers working today. J.J. Abrams, Sofia Coppola, and Tony McNamara. I mean, these are some of the best new filmmakers, and they are really using her effectively in their projects. I mean, just look at the two films that Fanning has made with Sofia Coppola. It's two of the very best films directed by Sofia Coppola. Somewhere and The Beguiled. Her performance in The Beguiled is so good. Her scenes with Colin Farrell are fantastic. I absolutely love that movie. Upcoming projects for Elle Fanning include season two of The Great, which I cannot wait for, and the movie The Nightingale, where she will co-star with her older sister, Dakota Fanning, for the very first time. I mean, when we think of sister celebrities, we think of the Fanning sisters. I mean, Dakota has starred with some of the biggest movie stars ever, like Sean Penn and Robert De Niro, and Elle Fanning is following in her footsteps. And Dakota has recently done some interesting projects projects like The Runaways with Kristen Stewart and Michael Shannon and Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Brad Pitt, Margaret Qualley, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie. Dakota Fanning was really good in that movie, so it will be exciting to see the two Fanning sisters on screen together for the very first time. Here's a list of Elle Fanning movies and shows that I definitely recommend you watch. Somewhere, Super 8, We Bought a Zoo, Young Ones, Maleficent, Trumbo, 20th Century Woman, Teen Spirit, All the Bright Places in the Great. Watch these projects to understand why Elle Fanning is one of the most exciting actresses working today.
Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Wonder Woman 1984. Here's a quick synopsis. After the events of the first film, Diana now lives among regular people and while being Wonder Woman works at the Smithsonian and there her and a colleague identify an item that is later revealed to be the Dreamstone, an ancient item that grants any wish with a cost and struggling businessman Maxwell Lord sees the stone as his big opportunity to finally become successful. Wonder Woman 1984 was one of my my most highly anticipated films of the year. I was super excited when I heard it was going to be on HBO Max Christmas Day. So that night, I watched this movie thinking it was going to be a masterpiece, and sadly, it was not. But first, let's start with what I liked about the movie. Here's the good of this film. Gal Gadot is really good playing the character, even in some of these not-so-great movies like Batman vs. Superman and Justice League. And in this, she has some good moments as the character. Like, I really enjoy Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I think it's super good casting. She's super believable as Wonder Woman. And when she's on screen as the character, she's super effective. Another thing I like about this movie is Pedro Pascal. I think he's really having a moment. He's really good in this as Maxwell Lord, the -the over-the-top villain. And, of course, the Mandalorian. So this month, or this year, the end of the year, has really been Pedro Pascal's time to shine. And he's really taking advantage of it. I also really like that DC is is trying to make these villains so over-the-top insane. It's like Ewan McGregor in Birds of Prey. That's what Maxwell Lord is doing. It's like a cartoony version of a supervillain. The problem with his character is that it fits in more with a Adam West Batman movie than it does with Wonder Woman, but that's fine because I think the performance is enjoyable. And even though I don't like her character at all, I can admit that Kristen Wiig is pretty good in this movie. I think I wasn't expecting Kristen Wiig to be super effective in a superhero film. She wasn't really that funny. It was fine. I thought it was a pretty good performance from Kristen Wiig. And the last thing I liked about this movie is the Lasso of Truth looked way cooler than it did in the first film. I don't know why I'm the only one who's pointing this out, but I thought the CGI Lasso of Truth was super cool in this movie, and I like the fact that she used it a lot more. Of course, I also like that the invisible jet shows up in this film. I mean, go back to the classical elements of the character and use them in their movie. That's a super obvious thing that these movies should do more of, and I'm glad Wonder Woman 1984 stayed true to the character with those elements like the lasso of truth and the invisible jet. That was the good. Here's the bad elements of this movie. Chris Pine was done wrong. His return is the most confusing thing I've seen in a movie in quite a long time. The minute Chris Pine comes on screen, the movie lost me 100%. It's like one scene he's not in the movie and then he's just fully in the plot of the movie without explanation. I was baffled by how they brought back this prominent character to their prominent franchise without any care. I had no idea what was going on from that moment forward. And I'm a big fan of Chris Pine. I love him in Star Trek. He's great in Unstoppable, and I love him in Into the Woods, and he's super great. It's probably one of his best performances is in the first Wonder Woman film, but here, I I just couldn't keep track of what was going on with that character. I was so confused. Another bad thing about this movie is the world building. I think the most important thing about these superhero movies is to get me invested in where the character arc is at and where they are as a person 
and even the setting. And this film fails at that. I don't know why Diana Prince is in Washington. I don't know what her character has gone through these past decades. I don't know why I should care about this character right now. And the only reason I know this movie is set in the 1980s is because the film is called Wonder Woman 1984. There's no other explanation of what's going on with the character. This movie doesn't feel like a sequel to Wonder Woman at all. The first one feels grounded in a plot that makes sense as much as a plot of a superhero movie could. And then this one is like full on cartoon. It makes no sense. I understand a lot of people are defending this movie by saying it's super funny. Well, that doesn't feel at all tied with the first film at all. That was the good and the bad. Here's the ugly of Wonder Woman 1984. First off, that battle scene with Cheetah is just not what you want to see. It's not interesting at all. It's one of the worst action sequences. I almost fell asleep watching that. So over-the-top boring. And as I talked about in the synopsis, there's this item called the Dream Stone. And the minute the stone appears, the plot of the movie becomes so obvious. We are at a point with these movies where I shouldn't be able to tell where they are going to go in the first 25 minutes, especially in a film that wants me to invest two and a half hours of my life to see where this character is going to go. You need to confuse me a little bit. There needs to be some secrecy around the plot while I'm watching. I can't just figure out the entire movie in the first 20 minutes or I'm not going to be invested in the characters. I'll be the first to admit, if this movie came out in 2005, I'd probably think it was a masterpiece because the other film I was getting around that time was like Eric Bana's Hulk, Ben Affleck's Daredevil, and Chris Evans in the Fantastic Four, so I probably would have thought this movie was super cool, but in recent years, I've gotten films like Deadpool, Avengers Endgame, so many superhero movies that are far superior to this film. Even Birds of Prey is a better movie than Wonder Woman 1984. I also find it super ironic in a movie that's messages you shouldn't try to have it all, it feels like this movie Wonder Woman 1984 is trying to have it all. It has its Wonder Woman, it brings back Steve, but it gives me zero explanation. It just has a bunch of things that these blockbusters usually have without explaining itself. It tries to have it all. It should have been a lot less in this movie. So for a movie that's messages you shouldn't try to have it all as a human being, its major flaw is that Wonder Woman 1984 tries to have it all. And it has has it all without having an interesting plot whatsoever. Like bringing back Steve without a proper explanation is inexcusable without giving it a real good enough reason for it to happen. It doesn't make sense. Like for instance, a lot of people say Marvel movies are better and one of the reasons why Marvel movies are better is because they explain why things are happening. Remember when Red Skull just shows up in Infinity War, a character that had passed away he was given a reason for coming back to life. If Marvel brings back an important character back to life, maybe it doesn't really make sense, but they at least try to give you a proper reason as to why it should happen, and they explain how he came back to life. I still have absolutely no reason why Steve came back to life. Yes, spoiler alert, Gal Gadot wished that Steve came back to life, but she never even said the words, I wish Steve comes back to life. So 
even that part of that plot was super confusing. It was just like one scene, Steve isn't there, and then the next scene, he's a huge part of this movie. And, again, a character who's been alive for like 80 years now is still obsessing over her old boyfriend? I thought that part of the plot was kind of stupid. And I think this is the biggest issue I'm having with sequels lately. After a brilliant first movie, the second movie tries to be so different from the first one that they go in a completely opposite direction and the two films don't feel connected at all. This is another issue that another Warner Brothers movie had recently. Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them was one of my favorite films I've ever seen in this past decade. I absolutely love that film with Eddie Redmayne. I was blown away by that movie and super excited by the sequels. And then the sequel came out and it was so bad because it didn't feel connected to that first movie at all. And that's the direction Wonder Woman 1984 went in. It took everything that was special about the first movie and just didn't use any of it. And then it ended up being a movie that's different and not very good. It's like I get it. The studio is trying not to get destroyed by making the same movie because that's something that's been happening. Like if you make the same movie of the sequel, they say, wow, you just did this to get the money. But I would have much rather a movie that was more like the original Wonder Woman than Wonder Woman 1984. And speaking of another franchise that's had this issues lately is Disney with Star Wars. Like The Force Awakens is a first movie that completely blew me away. I love Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. The second one is good, but doesn't feel connected to the first one. And then by the time The Rise of Skywalker comes out, you have no feel for the franchise at all. It doesn't feel like a trilogy. It doesn't feel like films that are connected whatsoever. It just ends up feeling like three separate films. And out of those three films, only one of them them I think is great and that's J.J. Abrams The Force Awakens I think that's the one film of that trilogy that's brilliant and I feel like that's the direction where Wonder Woman is headed it's going to be a trilogy that has one great movie Wonder Woman even though it had the potential to be a great trilogy and I feel like Wonder Woman is trying to be like Indiana Jones you put him in any timeline and he's consistent while the movies are different the problem with Wonder Woman is she's already been part of a connected film universe so it's a little confusing following the character's plot and her backstory she's already been in wonder woman she's already been in batman vs superman she's already been in justice league it's confusing how you keep trying to reinvent this character there was one movie that absolutely worked it was wonder woman i'm sorry batman vs superman is forgettable Justice League is super forgettable, and Wonder Woman 1984 will ultimately end up being a forgettable movie. Which is painful to admit because Gal Gadot is probably the best person capable of playing Wonder Woman. So you're wasting prime years where you could be making really great Wonder Woman films. I'm sorry, and I think you are capable of making great superhero trilogies. Just look at the Captain America trilogy. They're all super different, but they all feel connected in some way and that's what the Wonder Woman franchise should have strived for. Now they're going in a direction that I'm just not the biggest fan of and ultimately I'm not done with the character. I think there's hope. I hope the third film goes in a completely different direction. Personally, I hope they bring in like a villain like Giganta like a Wonder Woman villain who's worth seeing on screen. That would be a cool direction for the character to go in but I do not want the tone to be like Wonder Woman 1984. I want the tone of 
of the third film to be more like the first one because that's the film that I think is super special about this franchise and it's why it's the one great DC film that's been made over these past 10 years. Man of Steel, not great. Batman vs. Superman, not great. Justice League, not great. Suicide Squad, not great. Aquaman, not great. Wonder Woman is great. So DC took the one franchise that was great and made it more ordinary like their other films. That's a problem to me. I hope they restore Wonder Woman back to being a franchise that I'm excited for because right now I cannot be less excited about a third Wonder Woman film that's already been announced by the way with Gal Gadot returning as Wonder Woman and Patty Jenkins returning as director and that's the main problem right? They're going to look at Wonder Woman 1984 as a success because it got them a third film so my main concern with this franchise is that the third film is going to be more like Wonder Woman 1984 and less like the original Wonder Woman. I'm sorry I was super hyped for Wonder Woman 1984 and sadly this character and this film did not live up to that hype. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on actress Elle Fanning and the movie Wonder Woman 1984. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Dark Waters, starring Mark Ruffalo, and Pieces of a Woman, starring Vanessa Kirby. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.